Welcome to Listening Well with me, Stephanie, and I'm here every week to share nuggets of advice, wisdom from my teachings as a yoga and meditation teacher, philosophies from the Buddhist tradition, which is exactly what this week is going to be about, and in fact, what the next four weeks will be on. Over the next month, I'll be sharing with you on the four perfect virtues in the traditions of Buddhism. I grew up in a primarily Buddhist-influenced household, driven mainly by my Chinese mother, and I was always drawn to the idea that Buddhism didn't have a religious undertone to the whole thing. It didn't feel like a sect per se. Rather, there was a flavor of self-betterment, self-development, and a general quest to becoming the best person you can be during this very short time we have on this earth. And while I don't think it's the make-all, be-all answer to every issue, because, you know, sometimes we're working on other mental things, disorders, or predispositions where proper psychology and or psychiatry is needed, but it does give a wonderful framework when it comes to how we can live a life that we are proud of, one that encourages continuous growth as we try to become as enlightened as one can be. So through my studies of Buddhism and mindfulness, particularly over the last two years, I found that it helps a person go from a state of confusion to one of wisdom, from harshness to compassion, from disconnection from self and others to engagement of oneself and others. It just feels so beautiful. And as I continue my studies in this field, I just feel so nurtured with the fact that it is and will be a lifelong journey. The journey of moving from a small sense of self, which I continue to struggle a lot with to this day, to a more expansive, to the true sense of ourselves. So over the next four weeks, I'll be sharing with you the Brahma Viharas of Buddhism. And if you Google Brahma Viharas, you'll get a whole variety of translations. Some call it the Four Immeasurables, or the Four Divine Abodes, which I quite like, or the Four Sublime States. But I'll call them the Four Perfect Virtues because I feel like it's a simpler explanation of what they are, and I do view them as indeed virtues that we should all try to hone and practice. So I'll stick to that lingo as I take you through a simple explanation of these virtues over the next four weeks. These virtues are some of the core teachings that the Buddha shared during his life. And they really are the mind states that are practiced by enlightened beings. When properly put into practice, they create an atmosphere of ease in the mind and also guide us like a North Star to do the right actions in life and to live in a way that is morally sound. They are removers of tension and can really allow for peace to be felt both internally and also during times of social conflict. 
I find that they are wonderful tools to explore when you wish to heal the wounded inner child that we all know and try to love. The four perfect virtues, or divine abodes, are loving-kindness, compassion, happiness and joy, and equanimity. So right from the get-go, you can see that these qualities are ones that are not only there to support the journey towards becoming the best version of yourself, but these qualities, when embodied, ripple out to affect everyone else around us. They create the harmony that we all seek, both internally and with each other. If we ingrain these virtues within our being, we will live in the ideal way of conduct towards all beings. So really, really beautiful. But today I will talk a little bit about the first virtue, loving kindness, or what they call metta in Pali, which is the ancient language that they use in Buddhist scriptures. So I'm sure you've heard through song or poem that love is the answer to anything, to even the most horrific words or actions that come your way. If you approach people with an underlying sense of love, it's hard to feel anguish or remorse. We live in a world that is so divided at the moment. You know, it's quite bizarre because sometimes I find that people crave this division. It's like they get a kick from dividing or causing drama the us-versus-them paradigm that has, as a result, created so much suffering in this world. This division gets in the way of feelings of connectedness with oneself and with others. So right now, on my own self-development journey, I'm working on trying to be more kind to myself, to really love myself fully, so that it can be extended to those that I love and that love me. A quote from the late Titnat Han: The first element of true love is loving kindness. The essence of loving kindness is being able to offer happiness. You can be the sunshine for another person. You can't offer happiness until you have it for yourself. So build a home inside by accepting yourself and learning to love and heal yourself. Learn how to practice mindfulness in such a way that you can create moments of happiness and joy for your own nourishment. Then you have something to offer the other person. So beautiful, right? What I find fascinating about these principles is that it sounds so obvious. Like, of course I need to be loving and kind to myself and therefore to others. But, alas, unresolved childhood trauma and other factors can really keep us in what my teacher Tara Brock calls the trance of unworthiness. And as long as we're in this trance ourselves, it's quite difficult to extend love and compassion and kindness to others. I know this firsthand, that the ways I feel and treat others is a direct reflection of how I feel about myself. And it's so gut-wrenching and eye-opening at the same time because with this awareness, I 
I feel like I am trying to exercise the muscle of owning my own shit and taking responsibility for the things I need to. That not everything is the other person's fault, but instead is a cue for me to look inwards. When I get triggered, I look at this as a chance to find the broken parts that need healing, to ultimately find the light that rests underneath the cracks. But to an enlightened person, of which I am far from being, it is in our true nature to be loving towards one another, to be kind towards our animals and our Mother Earth. Love really is the answer. There have actually been numerous studies that explore how the practice of loving-kindness can increase positive emotions. A study by Barbara Fredrickson and her colleagues found that by practicing seven weeks of loving-kindness meditation, the participants found that they had increased feelings of love, joy, contentment, gratitude, hope, pride, interest, and awe. And these are all very pleasant feeling tones that will only increase the quality of your life. And of course, there are studies that found that it also helped with more physical ailments like migraines and chronic pain. It even decreased PTSD symptoms and schizophrenia spectrum disorders. But in my experience teaching and practicing metta or loving-kindness, it is hard to feel hate and remorse or contempt for someone after a loving-kindness practice. It really is. Your levels of empathy go way up. Compassion is felt. And I just feel it has an all-around positive impact on your well-being. So how does loving-kindness meditation work? There are a few stages when it comes to this practice. It asks that you repeat a set of well wishes to different people, including yourself. And there really isn't a set script that you should follow because depending on the day that you do this meditation or who you choose this meditation for, you might want to use different lingo and language because the wishes that you send will be different for different people, right? But generally, we are trying to wish the person or yourself feelings of safety, happiness, health, and peace. So the offerings may go like, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. And again, you can switch those words out. It could also be, may you be free from fear, may you find joy, may you be healed, may you dwell in peace. So you get it, it's the same idea, but you can change the words and experiment with them depending on who it is that you're sending your well wishes to. And so this meditation continues as you direct these phrases to different people. So how I usually share this meditation is that I would suggest first starting with someone that you love and that loves you because it's a lot easier to direct these words to someone that you love than it is to say these words to yourself, unfortunately. So we start by bringing to mind a person or even your pet where love comes most naturally. It's a person that you love and loves you and 
an uncomplicated relationship. It helps to imagine that you're looking at that person or animal as you say those phrases of loving kindness and you repeat them in your head. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. And I would just stick to those four phrases so as not to complicate things. And you continue to repeat these phrases internally in your head while you keep this loved one in your heart, really remaining present with that person or animal. Then you direct these phrases to yourself. And I know it can sound a little egotistical, like, why am I telling myself to be safe and healthy and happy and live peacefully? What? But this is part of the cultivation of loving kindness towards yourself, to feel yourself, to connect with yourself, to rebuild the love and attunement with yourself. So allow these phrases to permeate into your own heart as you continue repeating them in your mind. If it helps, sometimes I like to imagine that the person that you love or that you visualized before is sitting in front of you saying those phrases back to you. And you probably wouldn't do this if you thought of your pet, although that is quite a funny visual to think about. But there are many ways that you can practice loving kindness. Maybe on the day it's just about practicing giving loving kindness towards a person you love and yourself. But if you want to take this meditation a step further, you can try directing this loving kindness to someone that is neutral, someone that you see every day. Maybe it's the auntie or uncle at your local coffee shop or the mailman that you run into every day, someone that you know and are cordial with but don't really know. So keep this person in mind and internally repeat those phrases and send it to them. You can go one step further, and this is where real heartfelt compassion comes in and bravery, really, when you extend loving kindness to someone who has a grip on your heart. This is someone that you may feel some contempt or animosity towards, someone that creates that twinge when you think of that person, you know, that annoying colleague or impossible family member. Give this difficult person your full attention and then offer the phrases of loving kindness that come naturally to you towards that person. Really be sincere during the process. After you've offered these prayers towards that difficult person, you might notice a change in your feelings, a change in your behavior towards that person. I'm telling you from experience, it's hard to be angry at someone after you've practiced loving-kindness. But sometimes there can be obstructions in the way of this meditation. You may feel like it's a bit mechanical, and that can really get in the way of your process. Self-judgment can arise. You might think, okay, this is way too much love now. Like, this is so silly. I just want to go and continue my binge on Netflix. Forget it. But I would say stick with it. And see how it ripples into not just the rest of the process, but also into the rest of your day. 
But of course, it helps to practice when you're feeling quite open, vulnerable, and loving. It's hard to sit and practice when you're bitter and feeling defensive, right? Another block to practicing loving-kindness are the expectations that you set. If you're expecting all these gooey, heartfelt feelings after a practice, and they don't come, well, you'll feel disappointed. There will be judgment towards the meditation itself or to your own self. No matter what's happening, hold all feeling tones as they arise as part of the experience you're having in that moment. I've shared with you a link in the show notes of a loving-kindness meditation that I recorded a while back for my Meditation with Stephanie podcast. If you want to try this practice out, then please go click on the link in the show notes. I'll end this episode with a powerful quote from Martin Luther King, who I feel was an absolute warrior of loving-kindness. He says, Never succumb to the temptation of being bitter. As you press for justice, be sure to move with dignity and discipline, using only the power and the weapons of love. Thanks for listening well, and I'll see you back here next week as I discuss the second of the four perfect virtues, compassion.